Do you ever wonder if we're living in the end times? In Dr. Jeremiah's new book, Where Do We Go From Here? He examines what Bible prophecy reveals about 10 phenomena happening in our world today. Order your copy this month, and if you give $75 or more, you'll also receive Dr. Jeremiah's entire teaching series on CD or DVD, correlating study guide, and his interview special on DVD. Order now at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. There is a single word that has kept so many from coming to Christ. It's been called the most dangerous word in the Bible. The word? Tomorrow. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah ponders procrastination. Why it's so dangerous and how you can defeat it. From the series, Slaying the Giants in Your Life, here's David to introduce today's message, Slaying the Giant of Procrastination. Thank you for joining us today. We're going to talk today about putting things off, putting things off until tomorrow. Things we know we should do today, and we slide them to the end of the day and don't do them till tomorrow. And then the tomorrow after the tomorrow and before we know it, the thing that should have been done isn't done, and we pay a high cost. Procrastination is often mentioned in the Bible, always in relationship to salvation. Don't put off to tomorrow what you should do today. If God is speaking to you about becoming a Christian, do it now. Tomorrow may never come, and when it comes, there will be another tomorrow that takes its place. Slaying the Giant of Procrastination, Part 1. This is Turning Point, and it starts right now. My son David said he doesn't understand why we didn't make procrastination the last in the series. Hmm. They did a survey not long ago, and 98% of the people in any large audience have experienced procrastination at one time or another, and the other 2% hadn't gotten around to thinking about it yet. (laughs) They're like the guy who said he was going to stop procrastinating, but he decided to put it off until tomorrow. You know how that is. Some people are so good at procrastination that in the morning they read the newspaper USA Tomorrow instead of today. And there's a girl that I read about in a little article in a magazine that I get who wanted to get into an exercise format. I suppose when it comes to procrastination, procrastination and physical fitness kind of go in the same category because as we get older it gets harder and harder to exercise and take care of our bodies. This is what she wrote. She said, I spent a fortune on a trampoline, a stationary bike, and a rowing machine, complete with gadgets to read my pulse and gadgets to prove my progress results and others to show the miles I've charted, but they left off the gadget to get me started. And you know, that's (laughs) kind of how it is when you try to get going in a new program. Someone has written, procrastination is my sin. It brings me nothing but sorrow. I know I should stop it. In fact, I will. Tomorrow. You got it. Years ago, a very famous preacher surveyed the Bible to find out what were the most important words in the Scripture. For instance, he wanted to find out what was the saddest word in the Bible. What was the happiest word? He looked for 
the word that had the greatest emotion attached to it. And there was a whole list of these words in the book that he wrote. But when he came to the most dangerous word in the Bible, the word that he chose was the word tomorrow. Tomorrow can be a dangerous word. For tomorrow has robbed many dreamers of their dreams. It has robbed students of educational achievement and scholarship opportunities. It has kept more men and women from coming to Christ than any other word in the dictionary. Let me tell you today that Satan's favorite word of all words is the word tomorrow. But the word that is dear to the heart of God is the word today. I want to talk with you for a few moments about procrastination, how it affects our lives. I want to talk in a general way in the first two sections of this message and then become very specific as we come to the conclusion. First of all, let me remind you that when you procrastinate, when you put off until tomorrow what you've already put off until today, when you procrastinate, you rob yourself of opportunities to serve Almighty God. On one occasion, the Lord was speaking to some of his followers about discipleship, and he was trying to illustrate the importance of their immediate response to the call. And he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me go first and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another said, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me bid farewell to those who are at my house. And Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Luke chapter 9, verses 59 through 62. Now, was Jesus saying that it's not important for us to bury our own dead? Hardly. Was he saying that it's wrong for us to greet the people who are at our home? No. What Jesus was saying is that it's very easy when the call of God comes upon our life to think of a lot of reasons why we won't respond to it at that moment. Things we need to do first. And after we get done doing all of those things, sometimes we lose the ability to hear God's voice. Matthew 26 tells the story of one of the saddest experiences in the New Testament, in my estimation. As you remember, right about that place in the narrative of the passion of our Lord, he was going to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. He left eight of his disciples at the gate of the garden, and he took Peter, James, and John with him further into the recesses of the Garden of Gethsemane. And in Matthew 26, verse 38, Jesus spoke to those three men, and he said, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. Stay here and watch with me. You remember that? And Matthew 26, 39a says he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed. And when he returned and looked for his disciples, he didn't find them watching. He found them doing what, class? They were sleeping. And so he instructed them in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 41. He said, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And all of us can say amen to that. That's true, isn't it? 
We want to do the right thing, but sometimes the flesh is weak, and we, so we have to watch and pray. Twice more Jesus went into the garden to agonize over the will of God and over our sin and his sacrifice for our sin, dealing with the human aspect of the passion And twice more he came back and found his disciples asleep. And finally, in Matthew 26, verses 45 and 46, we read, Jesus came back and he said, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand. The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. My betrayer is at hand. I doubt if the disciples, Peter, James, and John, had any idea what was going on at that moment. They could not have known what was happening. They could not have known how that event would have been viewed historically, or they never would have allowed themselves to fall into the trap of indolence instead of watchfulness. All three of them went on to write major books describing the life of Christ and his sacrifice and his death. All three of them were champions in witnessing for the Lord. Two of the three gave their lives in martyrdom for their faith. And yet there was one thing they could never again do. They could never again go back to that moment when they had been given the opportunity to watch with the Lord in his hour of trial. They had passed it by. They had pushed it aside. They had forgotten the opportunity, and the opportunity never came again. How many of us, when we get to heaven, will be able to for a brief moment until God washes away all of our tears, look back over our lives and remember moments of decision when we could have done something great for God and because we decided to procrastinate, the opportunity was no longer there. We miss so many chances, do we not? Maybe I'm not like everybody else, but sometimes I don't hear the Lord speak out loud But I hear the Lord kind of talk to me about something I should do. You just get an impression you should do it. And when you're responsive, you usually find out that there was something going on there. But sometimes I get busy and I don't do that. Sometimes I allow the circumstances of life to press me in another direction. And then I find out later that I should have been there. That's an awful feeling. It's a wonderful thing to be sensitive to Almighty God when it comes to serving Him so that when He speaks to us about saying a word of encouragement to someone, calling someone on the phone, ministering to someone in the way that God calls us to minister, we hear His voice and we respond and we don't procrastinate. We do it now. An unknown poet has effectively communicated the importance of serving God and ministering to others when the opportunity is available to us. He wrote these words, If with pleasure you are viewing any work a man is doing, if you like him or you love him, tell him now. Don't withhold your approbation till the parson makes oration and he lies with snowy lilies on his brow. For no matter how you shout it, He won't really care about it. He won't know how many teardrops you have shed. If you think some praise is due him, now's the time to slip it to him, for he cannot read his tombstone when he's dead. (laughs) More than fame and more than money is a comet kind and sunny and the hearty warm approval of a friend. For it gives to life a savor and it makes you stronger, braver, and it gives your heart and spirit to the end. If he earns your praise, bestow it. If you like him, 
Let him know it. Let the words of true encouragement be said. Do not wait till life is over and he's underneath the clover, for he cannot read his tombstone when he's dead. It's true, isn't it? How often we wait too long to do the thing that God has told us to do, and in procrastinating, we lose the opportunity of service. Charles Hanson Town, another poet, wrote these lines that bring conviction to my soul, and it probably will do the same for you, so hang on. Around the corner, I have a friend in this great city that has no end. Yet days go by and weeks rush on, and before I know it, a year is gone. And I never see my old friend's face, for life is swift and terrible pace. He knows I like him just as well as in the days when I rang the bell. And he rang mine, and we were younger then, and now we're busy and tired men, tired with playing a foolish game, tired with trying to make a name. Tomorrow I say I will call on Jim just to show that I'm thinking of him. But tomorrow comes and tomorrow goes, and the distance between us grows and grows. Around the corner, yet miles away, here's the telegram, sir. Jim died today. And that's what we get and deserve in the end. Around the corner, a vanished friend. <laughs> Procrastination keeps us from ministering to one another. We put it off and we don't get it done. Now, I have a feeling people are going to go home and think about all the stuff they've been postponing, and we're all going to do it tomorrow. Do it today. If you don't do it when the Spirit speaks to you, primarily, it usually doesn't get done. Can I get a witness? Isn't that true? We postpone it. Let me give you another reason why procrastination is a dangerous thing to play with. Let's just assume that we're not even Christians here. Terrible assumption, but just for a moment. Procrastination will rob you of success in your life. No one who is a practicing procrastinator succeeds at anything. We'll do it tomorrow. He slept beneath the moon. He basked beneath the sun. He lived a life of going to do, and he died with nothing done. You see, if we cannot take action... When it is thrust upon us, we are doomed to defeat and failure. He was going to be all that a mortal should be tomorrow. No one would be better than he tomorrow. Each morning he stacked up the letters he'd write tomorrow. The greatest of workers this man might have been tomorrow. The world would have known him had he ever seen tomorrow. But the fact is he died and faded from view. And all that was left when his living was through was a mountain of things he intended to do tomorrow. That's not success. Talk to any salesman, any businessman. And the art of succeeding is being able to know what to do when it needs to be done and doing it at that moment. Thomas Huxley, who we would not endorse, but who wrote some very interesting thoughts, said this, the most important result of all education is to make you do the thing you have to do when it ought to be done, whether you like it or not. 
It is the first lesson that ought to be learned, and however early a man's training begins, it is probably the last lesson that he ever learns thoroughly. What is that lesson? To do the thing you have to do when it has to be done. How many of you use a do list? You use a yellow pen, you write down all the things to do. Anybody here beside me? Do you ever go through that list and say, all right, what is the worst thing on this list? What is the thing I dread the most and put it at the top? Or do you take that thing you dread the most and keep adding things above it till it gets, keeps pushed down? I mean, it's been on there for three weeks now, friends. You might as well get to it. The paper's due, the exam's coming, whatever it is. And the person who is able to elevate that difficult thing to the top of the list and do it when it needs to be done, that person has taken a major step towards success. In fact, there is a positive mental attitude speaker, I won't give you his name, who has built his whole career on how to get things done by taking action on those items that are so difficult for us to deal with. How to be successful. But I've said all of this by way of introduction and let me bore in on the most important thing about procrastination because not only will it keep you from serving God and keep you from being successful in life, but procrastination will keep you out of heaven. It'll keep you from becoming a Christian. And I want to share that with you from a story that's found in the New Testament. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 24. I want to tell you about two people you probably haven't heard much about. One of them's a man by the name of Felix and his wife, whose name was Drusilla. Felix and Drusilla, not necessarily major characters in the New Testament scriptures, but key illustrations of what happens when procrastination enters into the relationship we have with God. Now, the identification of the procrastinator in the story in Acts chapter 24 is found for us in verse 24 where we read, And after some days when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, who was Jewish. And let me just stop there long enough to give you a little information about these two people. Felix, whose real name was Antonius Felix, was Greek by birth. He was well connected with the Roman Empire because he actually got his appointment as procurator of Judea from his brother. When Paul was brought before Felix on trumped-up charges of sedition, this great apostle preached the gospel to Felix. Seated with him there as a part of his reign as procurator of Judah was his wife, Drusilla. She came from some bad blood. She was one of three daughters of Herod Agrippa I. Felix had induced her to leave her former husband and marry him. One of her sisters, Bernice, married King Agrippa, and her father, Herod Agrippa I, was the one who murdered James, John's brother, and tried to kill Peter, as we read in Acts chapter 12. Her great-uncle, Herod Antipas, was the one who took John the Baptist's head off, and her great-grandfather, Herod the Great, killed all the babies in Bethlehem and sought to kill Jesus, and Drusilla came from that line. And she was Felix's third wife, they were a royal couple, and they were also a wicked couple living in sin. So Paul's standing before Felix, and somebody said it really wasn't Paul before Felix. It ended up being Felix before Paul. Because when Paul came to give his defense before the procurator of Judea, 
He didn't stand up and defend himself. He stood up and started talking about Jesus, about Christ. He preached the gospel to him. How many of you know that wherever Paul went, no matter what the circumstances were, he always seemed to preach the gospel? He had one message, and he got to it as quickly as possible. So he didn't stand up and try to justify much. He just got up, and the Bible says he began to preach to Felix and Drusilla about Jesus Christ. One of the things I've always appreciated about my friendship with Franklin Graham and by watching his life is that wherever I see him go, he always preaches Christ. He doesn't mess around with any subsidiary message. He just gets to the point. I've seen him on all the talk shows and all the major places where he's had an opportunity to speak. He's going to be a great evangelist because he preaches Christ crucified and that's it. And he keeps it simple so that people can understand what it's all about. That's what Paul did. He preached Christ. But his message, we learn, had three points. And we read about his message in the instruction of the procrastinator in verse 24. If you have your Bibles open, notice what it says. And after some days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and he heard him concerning faith in Christ. And the scripture says he reasoned with him of righteousness, self-control, and judgment to come. Now that's a pretty good sermon. That's a good three-point sermon right there. Righteousness, self-control, and judgment to come. And it was well-suited to the people who were listening to him. For we've already established that Felix and Drusilla were unrighteous. They were unrighteous people. They thought Paul was going to come and discuss the differences between Judaism and Christianity. He got in the presence and he started preaching righteousness. And you can begin to see them feel a little uncomfortable. This isn't what we expected. So he got through the first point and they took a sigh of relief and he got to point number two. Guess what it was about? Self-control. Well, that surely didn't belong in their vocabulary because they had not exhibited any self-control. They had lived for a long time in sin without any control. And Paul begins to talk about self-control and temperance according to the old King James Version. And they're almost now under the table with conviction. And Paul ends up his sermon with a strong point number three. And you know what it was? Judgment to come. That's just what they needed. They'd heard all about righteousness and all about self-control. And Paul concludes it by saying... The important thing you need to realize is that while you sit here on the throne as procurators of Judea, there was someone who was sitting on a throne much bigger than this before whom you will be brought someday and you will be judged and the judge is even now at the door, judgment to come. Man, that must have been a sermon. And the Bible tells us that something happened in response to his preaching. God Almighty had spoken to Felix's heart through the Apostle Paul and his three-point sermon on righteousness, self-control, and judgment to come. And when Paul got done, Felix was filled with fear and he trembled. And if you want to know what happened next, you're going to have to listen tomorrow. We're talking about procrastination and the danger of it. And the Bible speaks of it often. Today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. And when we put off till tomorrow what we should have done today, we always pay a penalty. I was with someone just this week in a restaurant. We were discussing something at the counter, 
And I made the comment to him that often during my ministry, I have told people that the time between when God tells you to do something and you actually do it, that interim, that time belongs to the devil. Because during that time is when he likes to get into your heart, into your head, and keep you from doing what you know you should do. What does that mean? When God says it, you do it. When? Now. As soon as you know what to do, do it. And that's true for life. That means you can do it today. That means you can trust Christ right now. If he's speaking to you, if he's talking to you about salvation or any other issue in your life, do it. Do it now. And you'll be glad you did. You won't have it hanging over your head like so often things happen. Don't forget, we're going to Alaska in July, and I hope you'll go with us. The dates are 15 through 22. Our guests are James Brown and Tony Dungy, along with all our musical people. I'll be teaching the Word of God. We'll be seeing some of the most beautiful scenes you've ever seen. Alaska is the untouched beauty of God's creation. I've been there many times. I long to go every year, and it would be fun if you'd go with us. Get all the information by going to our website, davidjeremiah.org, and get all the information, and then register to come with us and join us in Alaska July 15th through the 22nd, 2023. I'm glad you joined us today. This has been a good session. We'll have more of the same tomorrow. I hope you'll be here then, too. We talk about real things on Turning Point, things that touch our lives, and we connect them to the Bible. It's quite a process. And when we're finished with the process, we have confidence because we know we found answers where answers are to be found. In the authoritative Word of God, the unchanging Word of God, Glad you joined us. We'll do some more of it next time we get together. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, Slaying the Giants in Your Life, please visit our website. There you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's book, Slaying the Giants in Your Life, and learn to banish the giants from the promised land of your life. This popular book is yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions, with notes and articles from Dr. Jeremiah's decades of study. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue slaying the giants in your life on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. In all we do each day, Dr. David Jeremiah and Turning Point work to make a global impact for the kingdom of God. But we can't do it alone. That's where Bible Strong Partners come in. These loyal monthly supporters form the foundation of Turning Point, allowing Dr. Jeremiah to teach the whole counsel of God. Partnering with Turning Point enables you to share in the eternal impact of this ministry, leading people to Christ through our media and printed resources, multiplying Bible teaching broadcasts, presenting the gospel around the globe, and strengthening the saints. In appreciation for your partnership, Turning Point wants to provide you with exclusive monthly resources and study guides, member-only communications, an on-demand library of study content, and so much more. Are you ready to see what the Lord will do? Let's expect to change the world together. Go to davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong to become a BibleStrong partner today. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong. 
The English philosopher and physician John Locke greatly influenced America's founding fathers through his writings on political philosophy, and he leaned heavily on the Bible as inspiration for much of his thinking. Regarding patience, John Locke wrote these words, If God has taken away all means of seeking remedy, there is nothing left but patience. While appreciating Locke's words, I would add these. Patience is good, but patient faith in God is even better. It is the Christian's faith in a personal, always attentive God that gives us the reason to be patient. God is always at work, causing all things to work together for good. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's reasons for patience on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.